in motion is Sewell. Goff to throw. Wants to throw it to Sewell. Oh, he caught it. Yes. Sewell on first down. Oh, yes. the big man dives down to the 31-yard line. Oh, that is beautiful. Welcome to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft, and I am very excited to welcome in Jack Campbell, the new Detroit Lions, the number 18 pick in the first round. Jack, congratulations. Kind of a whirlwind 24 hours for you, huh? Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, first and foremost, I just want to thank uh, the Ford family for uh, just uh, allowing me to be a part of this organization, Coach uh, Campbell and Mr. Holmes uh, for believing in me um, and allowing me to have this opportunity. I'm super excited to get to work. Um, I'm super excited to be in the city of Detroit, um, and I'm ready to win. So, well, Let's talk about last night a little bit, or I should say the draft night. Um, what were you doing, draft night? And then w- yeah. what was that like? What's, what's your initial thought when that, when that phone rings? What's yeah. that experience like? So I was just uh, back home, Cedar Falls, Iowa. Um, kept it, just my, my close family. Um, just tried to enjoy the night, be with the, the people who got me there um, and allowed me to ultimately be here today. Um, and then uh, I was just sitting on the couch and I saw my phone start to ring and it was Mr. Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, uh, how's it sound? Uh, we, we'd like to, we'd like to make you a Detroit Lion. And, uh, I, I can't really describe just the feelings of, of hearing that yeah. and, and hearing someone, uh, just put that belief in me and give me this opportunity. Uh, like this is my childhood dream and, and to be here now. Um, I mean, I feel like every draft prospect says it's their childhood dream, but um, for me, just uh, the, the time commitment, the passion that I feel like I, I've put into this game to, to finally hear someone well, someone say that and an organization select me, um, it meant the world to me. And I'm super excited to be in Detroit. Uh, there's there's no better place. What about being able to spend that moment with family and friends too? I mean, do, did yeah. everybody just swarm you afterward? Yeah. It's announced. And then what, what was that? That rush of emotion. Yeah, that moment was priceless. Just yeah. going around the room and just uh, sharing hugs and, and, and words with each other. Um, just letting them know how thankful I am of them, um, but also hearing um, them tell me just how proud of, of me that they are. So The interactions you had with the Lions leading up mm-hmm. to the draft. I know you guys had a formal at the Combine, and, and, and um, Kevin Shepard, talk about you, just your passion in, in, in that um interview can you just talk about just maybe that specific interview and what was it about them talking ball that got you so emotional maybe thought initially that that Detroit would be a good fit for you I just feel like the the thing about those guys when I stepped foot uh, in that room with coach Shep coach Campbell and then coach Glenn is it was just all about football uh they 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 didn't care about anything like of your past like it's just like how much you know about football and how much you love the game. And that's something that I kind of gravitated, like gravitated towards mm-hmm. is just people who have a genuine passion for the game. Um, and I feel like uh, any any winning culture from little league to professionals, you just got to have kids that are passionate about what they do and, and young men that are passionate about what they do. So um, I feel like I kind of I put my best foot forward in that meeting and just kind of showed them who I am. Um, I didn't change who I was. I was just Jack Campbell and 
that ultimately got me here. So I'm just going to continue to do that. So I can tell you, I've had Shep on the podcast as well and talk about a passionate guy. Yeah. I mean, are you excited to, to, to play for a position coach? Not, not only that's played the game, but is as passionate as he is. And he's all about ball. He's Absolutely. all about making young men better football players. Yeah. That's got to be exciting yeah. for you, isn't it? Yeah, man. Uh, Coach Shep, just all the conversations we've had up to this point, like uh, it's just all developmental. And I, I just love that mindset from him. And also just knowing that he's going to he's gonna push me as hard as I, as I can be pushed. And he's going to squeeze every little bit of th- – uh, potential and stuff out of me. So I'm just super excited to get to work with him. And man, um, I just feel like I can already tell, like he's just a guy who um, cares about you as a football player, but even more as a human being. And um, that's definitely like something I'm super excited to be a part of. And uh, the linebacker room here, man, uh, I've just heard great things about that. Uh, Great, great guys in there, great human beings. And just getting to know them um, and go out there uh, on the field with them every single day. And uh, do what we do. So uh, I'm just super excited to join the room um, and then just be led by Coach Shep. So. We talked to to your, your college coach, Coach Ferrant, and uh, he said this, whoever drafts Jack Campbell won't let him leave the building for 10 years. How did playing for, for Coach Ferrant and, and Iowa kind of set you up for success in the NFL? Um, coach Ferrant has been around the game as long as most of these coaches and – just his experience at the college level is second to none. He's the longest tenured head coach in, in college football. So, like, I feel like he, he knows a good player when he sees it. Um, to, to hear those words from him, it means a lot to me. Uh, but at the same time, like, just keeping my mindset that I've always had, just always want more, um, never, never being satisfied. Obviously, it's it's super nice to have someone believe in you like that. Um, but at the same time now, I got to go out there and, and show the world who Jack Campbell is. Um, and I'm super excited to do that um, and get to do it at the highest level. But um, the what Coach Ferentz and the, the Iowa program mean to me is just um, I, I can't put that into words. Yeah. Take you in as a, as a young 18-year-old guy and uh, turn you out as a, a 22-year-old young man who um, is a great football player because you're not going to leave Iowa and not be a great football player. You're going to be fundamentally sound, smart, tough, physical, and you're going to do, do it together for the full 60. But uh, when you step foot out of there, like this great young men, yeah. there's a lot of guys that I graduated with who aren't in this position and they're uh, now into like real jobs in the outside world. And I feel like they just have a leg up on like everyone because they just know how to go about their business I mean, and treat the people track right. Record so. of success and, and that program bringing guys into the league that are ready to play. Mm-hmm. You mentioned it, just just excited to show fans what you can do. What mm-hmm. what kind of player are fans going to see? What what is what is Jack Campbell all about? I feel like I feel like they're just going to see a guy who's going to every time he steps foot on the field, put his the best version of himself out there. Um, I'm going to be Jack Campbell through and through. Um, I'm just going to go out there and be a hardworking, hardworking Midwestern kid, um, kind of carry that on, carry that on my back, just a, a hard worker, um, just ready to kind of jump in and just get going. Um, I feel like you're going to get a guy who's just going to be a great teammate. Um, I'm always going to put my teammates in front of myself, um, always stay humble um, and just allow um, other people to go make plays and um, when when my number's called upon, just go and t- take advantage of every opportunity. I feel like that's the main thing is 
for me just continuing to take advantage of every opportunity I get. So first impressions of Dan, Aaron, Glenn, this yeah. defense, it, it seems like you're a perfect culture fit for kind mm -hmm. of what they're wanting to build, who they're wanting to add on defense. When they started talking ball with you, just mm -hmm. the impressions of, of maybe how you fit yeah. into this. And it seems like a match made in heaven, really. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm, I'm so lucky to be here in, in Detroit and be surrounded with these people in this building because it is all about football and it's all about winning. Um, and that's 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 stuff I'm all about as well. So, um, but at the same time, it's it's also about being a good human being and finding guys that are, are going to do the right thing off the field and uh, push this culture to to ultimately the goal, and that's to win the Super Bowl. So, now we got a pretty crack research team here with the Lions. So we went back a little oh, bit. Now your dad yeah. played uh, guard at Northern Iowa, correct? Yes, sir. He played a year with Kurt Warner, right? Uh, he played one year. Yes. Sir. So you were you always a UNI fan growing up, and they just got to a point where you're just too good. I, okay. uh, yeah, I'm gonna be a big time, big yeah. Power Five conference guy. So growing up, yeah, I just always went to UNI games and looked up to them, and I always wanted to go to the Panthers. You want to be play, like pops, right? Exactly. I want to <laughs> play play for them. Um, but as I got through high school, I had the opportunity to go to Iowa. Yeah. And I feel like I couldn't pass up that opportunity to go. I'm sure get dad a, wasn't too disappointed with that no, decision, was he? I don't think he is. <laughs> I don't think he is. So, um, no, it's been great. So. How excited are you just to get to football? You know, this process is is obviously, you know, you got to do the combine yeah. and workouts and travel to yeah. the pro days. You yeah. strike me as a guy who just kind of wants to get on the field and, and, and play ball. Are you excited for yeah. rookie minicamp and then yes, to join sir. the vets after that and just kind of get after and get on the football field? A hundred percent. I feel like these past couple of months have kind of been a horse and pony show, a lot of verbiage, and now it's time to get a get a go back to ultimately what all every single player in this draft is trying to do, and that's play football. Um, and I'm super excited to jump into rookie minicamp um, and then get, get with the veterans, be a sponge, learn from those guys, um, and ultimately just help this team in any way I can. So, Well, fans are ex uh, really excited to see you on the field. You're expected to be a big part of this Detroit Lions defense. Congratulations Thank on you, the 18th pick, and we're excited to see you on the field. I'm super excited. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Welcome back to the 20 Minute Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And I'm excited to bring in uh, Jameer Gibbs, the number 12 overall pick, the newest Detroit Lions running back. Jameer, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. How's the day been? Pretty smooth. Yeah? yeah. Has it been fun? Yeah. Have you ever been to Detroit before? Like a week and a half ago. For your visit? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but just take me through last night and what that experience was like being able to 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 do it with your friends and family um you know brad said that at, at, at 12 you were the best player on their board bar none and so to get that phone call to be there with the family and friends just what was that experience like uh it was cool uh having all my family and friends that's been through this journey supporting me and all being there uh when that moment happened so yeah it was cool what is it like? Is it is it nervous? Is it excitement when that phone rings and you see the, the the number? Did you know it was Detroit? Did you have it in the caller ID or was there some some guesswork there? Or? Uh, they got like the um, location on it, so uh -huh. like, when that team calls, it'd be like Detroit, Michigan, or like Atlanta, Georgia, or something like that. But uh, what was the what was the other question? Just is it excitement when you when you see that? Yeah, and relief too. I bet. <laughs> did you did you have an idea? Did you think that from your visit here and conversations you had with Detroit before that this was maybe a, a good landing spot, a good fit? Yeah, I could. Yeah, I thought um, there's a possibility that they could have picked me, but I didn't think it was going to be at twelve. 
So it stems back from the, 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 te- the Texas game. You know, Brad was at that game and he told us uh, draft night that that's really where you were on his radar. Well, you remember that game. Take me back to that a little bit. Just, I know there's some explosive runs, some big plays. How fun was that game for you? Uh, it was very fun. It was like my big, it was like my first big college game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, a great, a great day. You know, we won. We came out with the W. Uh, yeah, it was fun. So you're joining a Detroit Lions offense that finished fourth in the league last year offensively. Threw for four thousand yards. Rushed for two thousand yards. Just the excitement level of of joining an offense that's already that potent, but feels like you can be a really big part of that too. Yeah, I just think I could just make it. Uh, you know. You know, take some of that something good and make it uh, great, you know, uh, with what I bring to the table, my versatility, being able to make plays uh, in the backfield, return game, and uh, catching catching passes at the backfield and, you know, slide wide out. I think I just, whatever position they want me in, I, you know, I could excel at it. Versatility, that's the key word, right? I mean, that seems to me like that. that's all about your, your game. Here's something that an NFC executive said about you in the pre-draft process. Whenever Alabama's offense would hit a wall, they would get Gibbs involved in the passing game, and he would bridge the gap for them. I thought he was very valuable in that way. How much do you take pride in the fact that versatility is a big part of your game, that you're not just a guy the hands ball off to and you can make big plays, that you're a guy that, like you said, can line up in the slot, can be a big part of the passing game and can do a lot of things in that regard. Yeah, so I would think um, why running backs have like a shorter lifespan in the NFL is because uh, most of them, they didn't used to just, uh, there wasn't very versatile, not a lot of them, like said like Marshall Falk, but like back then, I mean, they would just like run you to the ground. So right. it wouldn't be, I just taking all those hits, you know, injuries happen, and uh, that's what led to the, like the lifespan. So, where'd the hands come from? Were you always a running back? Did you start off as a receiver? Just because it seems when when you watch film on you, it's just a natural ability to not only run routes but just natural hands too. That's that's really a big part of your game. Where did it come from? Just natural? Did you start as a receiver? Uh, no, backyard. Yeah. Backyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Playing with my friends and uh, always wanting the ball, so just uh, like seven on seven and stuff, always running like goals and posts and stuff, digs and all that. And uh, throughout uh, my football career, I played uh, multiple multiple positions, like uh, receiver, running back, and I played DB too. So, uh, you, can, you know, you got to have hands Very for that. Very well-versed <laughs> football player. Yeah. So, how much research have you done on the Detroit Lions, and how excited are you not only to join the offense as a whole, but to run behind an offensive line? Frank Ragnall, Pro Bowl player, Taylor Decker, left tackle, one of the you know ten best tackles in the league. Jonah Jackson's been to a Pro Bowl. Penny Sewell was at so Pro Bowl this year. I mean, there's four Pro Bowl guys, Pro Bowl caliber guys on that line. It's considered one of the best offensive lines in football. How excited does a guy like you get, knowing that you'll be running behind an offensive line that's as good as, as these guys are? Yeah, you know, any running back would be excited to run run through a line like that. It makes uh, our job a lot easier. What conversations have you had with with Ben? Um, I know when you, you had your visit here, and I know you've been around a little bit today. Just the excitement level, maybe how they they, they plan to use you, how your skill set maybe fits into this offense, and what have them conversations been like? Uh, did they plan to use me? Almost like the same uh, I did at Bama, probably a little more uh, uh, 
out and wide out and stuff, running more, running more routes, not just like goals and hitches and like slants and stuff. Probably like probably some more, like more like real receiver routes. So expand yeah. my route tree a little bit more, and uh, obviously uh, run the ball, try to be effective in both assets of the game. Are you excited about that? Because I mean, you're a guy when you're in space. I mean, you are dynamic to watch, and you've got to be excited about them wanting to put you in position to be in space, not just in the run game but in the pass game as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what makes it fun. Uh, trying to score so uh i want to get the ball as many ways as i can not just running the ball so all right tell us a little bit about jameer gibbs off the field what are some of the things that that, that you like to do i mean i just be chilling really i just be with my uh my friends my family my teammates uh probably get on the game or something you know there's not much to do when i was at bama mm-hmm. and from where i'm at my hometown at uh Dalton, so there's really not too much to do. But when I was in Atlanta, I'd probably just go eat or something. Well, I know you're going to like Detroit. There's a lot to do here. I know Detroit fans are going to love watching you play. Congratulations on the number 12 pick. Welcome to Detroit. And I know fans are really excited to see you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to the 20 in the Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. And you will notice that there is a slightly less athletic person sitting next to me to the right here. I am not a first round pick. We obviously heard from first round picks Jack Campbell and first round picks Jameer Gibbs. And now let's go through all the picks, Peach, because I think it was a productive day for Brad Holmes um, and the Detroit Lions. They came away with seven picks, uh, two in the first, two in the second, two in the third, um, and one in the fifth, one in the seventh. So my math is wrong that would be eight guys yep. correct let's do eight um and and let's start with right away the first round in jameer gibbs and you know i loved what brad said post draft when he addressed it almost by himself about you know position uh, uh positional value positional value thank you that's the word i was looking for uh, and obviously there's some question marks with the running back position with interior linebacker those are positions of value not deemed positions of value in the first round I love that he said I don't look at Jameer Gibbs as a running back I look at Jameer Gibbs as an explosive player that keeps this offense explosive I don't think of Jack Campbell as a inside linebacker I think of Jack Gibbs as a foundational piece on defense that we can build around and can do a lot of different things, you know? And so I, I thought that was interesting take by him. First things first. I mean, if we want to start with Gibbs, I thought the the trade down was great. Honestly, just, just the first at value, I think getting pick 34 to, yeah. to move back there was, was really a smart move because you were able to add another, you know, second tier player there. So you got your blue chips and then that group from – 15 to 50 is all kind of the same guy. You got another pick in that range. So that that was good just right off the top. But then Jameer Gibbs, I mean, instant impact. That's that I think the takeaway of the the first two picks, the first round picks for me was just, you know, this is a team that's ready to compete and they wanted guys that were ready to, to come in and, you know, positional value be damned. We need football players that are ready to come in and play in 2023. And I think when you look at Jameer Gibbs, you look at an explosive guy, let Alabama in rushing yards, let him in receptions, let him in kick return yards. Um, You know, he talked here earlier about, you know, 
really excited about being put in a position where he can be in space. And then you see that four, three speed, you watch the highlights of him. I mean, he is a one cut away from a 70 yard touchdown. He, what, who he reminds me of a little bit is uh, back, back in 2010 when the Lions got Javid best. Yeah. And, and he was that guy that was 70 yards at any point and was a terrific wide receiver. You put that guy in space, a track guy that plays football that, that, but, 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 you know, attracts speed, but he's a real football player. You look yeah. at him, he's all about ball, can catch the ball. And I think, Pete, you can put him in the slot too. And it's not just you're putting a running back in the slot because he's fast. You're putting a running back in the slot because he has the route tree. He's a mismatch weapon, and he can be a big part of the pass game too. I just think he's a weapon, like Brad Holmes said. And I think, you know, great at Alabama last year. But then even you go back to Georgia Tech, this guy was ready. Alabama was the national stage to, to put him on and get his name into the first round conversation but the Georgia Tech tape is, is just as good on a, on a far worse team right. so he made the jump to Alabama and and played Tennessee and played Florida and played Georgia and played that whole SEC gauntlet and didn't miss a beat which I feel like is, is really important when you're looking at sustained production and sustained success but to lead Alabama in receptions uh, even if you're a running back I feel like that's got to account for something and that's going to be the fun part with Ben Johnson is being able to put him in spots. And then when Jamison Williams comes back week seven, now you've got two guys with elite, elite speed, one at wide receiver, one at running back slash receiver and how you can play off, how they can play off each other and how that affects the run game. And we're also not forgetting that he's running behind arguably the top offensive line in football or one of the two top offensive lines. So, I mean, he's going to get to the second level without being touched and then just make a guy miss and he's gone and, and you watch the film and he can do that. And look, with the with the trade of DeAndre Swift, he's going to get an early opportunity. He is an early impact guy and it'll be fun to watch starting week one. I don't know if it's a coincidence that the same things that J-Mo was doing in his one year at Alabama. They get another transfer and he comes in and he's returning kicks and he's going underneath and taking, you know, crossers upfield. Jameer Gibbs, it's to have both of those guys on the same team eventually in week seven here, it's going to be dangerous. But another thing, I mean, he mentioned it, wants to expand the route tree, which yeah. I think is really important, seeing what he can do, seeing can he go downfield a little bit, how creative can you get with him. And then, I, and you know, we talked about it with J-Mo a lot last year. Can we get this guy a kick return? Yeah. Do you want your first round pick returning kicks is a question, it. but can we let him what did Brad Holmes? What did Brad Holmes say almost – to end his press conference post-draft. He said, we want to be good in all three phases. We want to be great offensively. We want to be stout defensively. And we want special teams to be a weapon, is what he said. How do special teams become a weapon? You don't have a kick returner at the moment. Maurice Alexander returned a couple of kicks last year, but your primary guy, Justin Jackson, isn't here anymore. You give... Jamison Williams, you give Jameer Gibbs just that much room in a kick return. And you see it all the time with games. A, a big punt return touchdown, a big kickoff return touchdown. Most games are one-score games. Special team scores are so huge in the league. If you want your special teams to become a weapon, don't be just good defensively and be one of the best cover teams, which the Lions were. Be explosive in return. You know you've got a great return man in Khalif Ramey. He's one of the best in the league. Now be explosive in the kick return game with maybe one of those guys. I think it'd be fun to watch. And it's happened before. I mean, when, when Pittsburgh had Antonio Brown, he wouldn't go back there every time. But when they needed him, he would yeah. go and he would do it. So it's it's possible to have your your best player back there. Sean Jackson? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's 
a lot of examples. All right, let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. Jack Campbell. We heard from him earlier. Impressive young guy. Yeah. I mean, he's ready. He's ready to ball. He's ready to play. I think he would strap it up and play tomorrow and wouldn't even care. Nope. I mean, he's that kind of guy. He is a Dan Campbell guy. He's a culture guy. He is Dan Campbell guy through and through. And that's what you're looking for at the linebacker position, especially too. I feel like if you're that leader in the middle and you got to rally the defense and and he's got a great guy to learn from and Anzalone to, to do that and kind of groom him up here. But you just you need to be ready to go in, in all three phases, and I think the Lions have really gained a lot in coverage in Jack Campbell. Yeah, six four and a half, two hundred fifty pounds, four six five forty. But you look at some of the the three cone, the shuttle, some of those um, you know drills that measure the explosion short, and quickness agility and agility. Yeah. That was number one amongst the linebackers from a six four and a half, two hundred fifty pound dude. guy. He's a big guy. He, I mean. I, I'm 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 struggling I'm with the pod, but I'm yeah. struggling with the podcast. We had Dan Campbell. Yep. We had you know Jack Campbell. I'm, yep. I'm sitting next to all these tall guys. You guys are leaving comments here about how short I am. I can't help it, but but it look you love the size with him, right? He's another one. He's got that, the wingspan. You're going to get in the passing lanes at the very least. You yeah. got you can go up, you can go out, and you can that's you know can combine that with the short agility, you really got something to cover. And the biggest thing too, Lions ranked 29th in the league last year defending the run. 30th in average runs per carry. Teams Opponents averaged over five yards per carry. I think that's where he helps you immediately. You mentioned the pass stuff. I think he does that too. But I think where we see his biggest impact is when you watch the Iowa tape, I think what jumps out is his reaction. He's smart. He's really, really smart, and he is north and south, yeah. and he gets there real he's quick. He's gap aware. He knows what he's doing. He gets off blocks because of his size. I think that's where he's going to have a really big impact right away. Yeah. All right, let's go to round two, pick 34. Iowa, baby. Yeah. Back to back. Sam Laporta, the tight end from Iowa. And, and look, we talked about it before on this podcast with some of the guests we had, Daniel Jeremiah, before um, the draft, that that this was one of the deeper tight end groups in a long, long time. I think Daniel said he had 11 tight ends with day two grades yeah. or better. I mean, that is a and, – and, and so when you look at Laporta, he was the second one off the board. Yeah. Dalton Kincaid went in the first round. And then it was Sam Laporta. I think Mayer went right after, and there was a kind of a run on him. But what do you like about Sam Laporta this guy beyond is, the production? Is elite at avoiding tackles. I think that's where when you're comparing him to Darnell Washington, who went a little bit later, but Mayer especially at that top of that second round, Sam Laporta's missed tackle percentage last year is off the charts. It was the best in the tight end class. So I think that's what you're really getting is not only can this guy move the chains and, and move, move the six, get past the six, first downs, first downs. When he gets the ball in his hands, he stays on his feet and he can go. And I think that's really what stood out for the Lions. He was Iowa's offense yeah. last year. What, over 50 catches the last, or last two years, over 600 receiving yards. Yeah. I mean, he was the guy there. And I think – And you think about all the Iowa tight ends – Right. This guy is is the best receiving tight end in Iowa history, right. and you're looking at Kittle and Hawkinson and Dallas Clark and Noah Fant. Yeah, this guy's the top. Yeah, and also the fact that he's joining a Detroit Lions offense that, despite trading T.J. Hawkinson, you know, midway through the season, still had 12 touchdowns from that it's position. A huge part of the offense. 12. To- that was a franchise record, and they had T.J. Hawkinson for what six, seven weeks. Yeah. I think he had he accounted three. for three of yeah. those touchdowns. You still had 12. So. 
get a you know Ben Johnson's very creative and and being able to be creative with that tight tight end end position. And now you've got an athlete the caliber of Sam Laporta in to you know in that position to mix with that group in that this kind of scheme that obviously has a coordinator that knows how to scheme tight ends open and get production from them, even if they're not elite players, even though, you know, I like, um, you know, Brock, Wright, I like uh, James Mitchell. I think those guys are, are still going to be a big part of it too. Now you add um, Sam Laporta to the mix. I, I think you've really improved your tight end group. I think between Laporta and especially James Mitchell, who I still really like, you have two dynamic athletes after the catch. I mean, that's yeah. what we saw from that's James what we Mitchell saw last, James last year. year is, is you could get him, you know, in the slot underneath and he can turn up field and make a couple guys miss because he's so big. He's got the long legs. He can do everything. Now you have Sam Laporta who can do the same exact thing. So you got two seam busters up the middle now yeah. that can make guys miss after the catch. All right, let's go back to the defense. Let's go back to the defense. Of the ball. Their second, second round pick, number 45 overall. And, and PJ, I think this was – Maybe the best value in the entire. It's my favorite draft. player in the class. Yeah, yeah, and it's Brian Branch, the the defensive back, and I'm not calling him a cornerback. I'm calling him a defensive back from Alabama because, look, I know he played the majority of the time in the nickel, and I think that's going to be his role initially in the pros. But I think you can move him to safety. I think in a bind you can put him outside. Obviously, he excels in the nickel, and that's you know where he he really shined at Alabama. But he's just a defensive back. He's just he's a guy that I think can be a a weapon on defense. I think he's a guy he's a guy that you can move around, match up, you can play the dime with him. Look, you're in sub package more than 70% of the time in the NFL right now. So that fifth defensive back, you know, imagine that's a guy like Branch who has size, has speed, can play a, a number of different positions and you can move him around as a matchup weapon. I think that's going to be really fun for Aaron Glenn. I wrote it in our Detroit Lions mock draft. I had Brian Branch at 18 on Thursday night. Wow. So to get him at so value 45, is there for you. Certainly. I'm in. <laughs> but this is what I, I wrote. You currently have the best hybrid DB in the league in CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah. You're adding Brian Branch. CJ Gardner Johnson's on a one year deal. If he wants to come back, great. If he doesn't, there's your one for one. There's your replacement. Well, and you're looking to the future. I looked at 2023. Let's say something happens to Tracy Walker. Yeah. You got so him. now you can move CJ Gardner Johnson to safety and you can put Brian Branch in in the nickel. And I don't think you you really you're not you, you lose step. anything. You're, you're or ready. you can do it the opposite way. You can Branch can do some safety stuff. You can keep it gives you options and, and versatile defensive backs. And that's what they what they got with CJ Gardner Johnson and Mosley and Cam Sutton. Um, it gives you options back there. And and look, cornerback, defensive back safety, it's the most injured position in football. Like you've got to be a certain size to play that position unless you are elite and you've got to take on offensive linemen in space. You've got to take on big running backs. I mean, just the injury rate at that position is the highest in the NFL. So you can't have enough in my opinion, really good cornerbacks, versatile cornerbacks, guys that can do a lot of different things that leaves your options open. Yeah, and and you look at Branch's college career, there are not a lot, especially of DBs that play for Nick Saban as a, as a true freshman right. and see real time. And this guy had had seven pass breakups and two interceptions as a, as a true freshman on the college football playoff team. I mean, what were his stats last year? They were ridiculous. Yeah, he had 14 pass breakups, I think, last year. I, I mean, think he had 10 tackles for loss or plus 10 tackles for loss, 90 overall tackles, yeah. three sacks. This is this I is just a guy who does it all. That has three years of experience for Nick Saban, like really playing as a true freshman. 
they're not the last guy to have that was Patrick Sertan. And that one's worked out pretty well in the pros so far. Maybe it doesn't mean anything, but you know what else I liked about him? He stayed. I love the fact that he stayed. He stayed. I love the fact that, that there was a young man who expected to be a first round draft pick. Obviously very disappointed round one. He didn't hear his name called. Stayed there because he wanted to experience walking out there, going on the stage in that moment. Other guys in the room didn't. They left. I love the fact that he stayed and wanted to be part of that moment. To me, it tells me he loves ball. Yeah. You know? He just he, – he loves the ball. He loves the moment. loves football. Just – Again, a, a Campbell-Holmes-Lions-type guy. Another Lions DB that stayed after thinking he was going in the first round, Darius Slay. Darius Slay. He's had an all right he's, he's all right. He's okay. All right, let's move to the third round. And I know fans have been eager to get a quarterback in here the last couple years. Yep. Look, Jared Goff is a guy. We both agree with that. There's no disputing nope. that. But they had to address the talent and the depth of that quarterback room. Um, look, they re-signed Nate Sudfeld. Obviously, reports are out there. They have, uh, you know, before the draft, they had um, a contract offer out to Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy, smartly as a veteran, was going to maybe see how the draft yeah. went and, and see what his options were. That could still be in play. We'll see how that develops afterward. But in Hooker, can I make an admission here? And you're probably not. I know sure. you're not going to agree with me sure. because we've gone back and forth on this before. Hooker was my second favorite quarterback in this class. Bold. Very bold. Bold. But Bryce he's here. Bryce Young yeah. was was one. Um I look, I like CJ Stroud. I know you like Anthony Richardson, but I like Hendon Hooker right there with CJ Stroud. That's he's, how much I like him. He's a player, man. He's a player. He's accurate. And I, look, I know that Tennessee system is a little bit quirky. It's a lot of option routes with receivers and high tempo. But if you just watched him and, and you watched how he handled himself in the pocket, the art, the accuracy, 67%, 80 touchdowns throughout his entire Tennessee career. Um, and then I think it's very underrated part of his game is when he decided to take off and run. Look, he ran for over 400 yards yeah. or, you know, this past season before the ACL. So, and, and some of those, like, he finished those runs, yeah. you know? And so I think you're getting an athletic guy. You're getting a smart guy. People talk about his age, right? PG's 25 years old. He's too old. What is the role of a backup quarterback in the NFL? Ready when, when your number is called. And also, for, to me, it's to support the starter. Yeah. You know, it's to be that guy in the film room that can see things and, and relay that to the quarterback. It, it It's that guy that helps prepare the quarterback throughout the week to do his job better. A 25-year-old experienced guy with 49 and two different systems. I think there's a guy that can come in and and support and help Jared Goff and the quarterback, which, look, you're right. He's got to be ready to play and ready to go. But when the the number one guy's healthy, that job is to support the quarterback, make him better. And and I think a guy that's 25 years old, that's played as many games as Hendon Hooker, I think he can do that. Yeah, and, you know, what are we going to see this year with the ACL? It's – might be nothing, you yeah. know. It it really this this is a, a down the road thing, but you have them for four years, so let's see what you got. But you mentioned the legs; I think that's the biggest thing to me. We've seen what a running quarterback can do to a defense. Jalen Hurts played very well against the Lions last year. This is just another dynamic, and it, he doesn't have to be your starter to come in in goal line packages. If you need somebody to to burst through QB power on the goal line and and get a, a QB sneak first down or make something happen with his legs. There are sub packages that you could throw him in and get him out there. But as a quarterback, I mean, he can throw. It's a pitch and catch thing. If guys were open, he showed that at Tennessee. And, and this is a 
it's really an ideal situation because he doesn't have to be rushed in to anything whatsoever. He's got developmental traits, which yeah. is all you can ask for with a young, third round pick, a third especially. Round pick. I mean, it, it's just you want to talk about positional value. The, the, it's, it's hard to dispute for a guy. That one. Yeah. So we thought day two was over. Yeah. We were getting ready to go home yep. and enjoy it. And no, Brad Holmes had Trader Brad. Yeah, Brad Holmes had other ideas. He traded a fourth and two fifth round picks. That's quite a bit of of capital there, Peach, to move back into the third round to take Roderick Martin. Hilltoppers. The Hilltoppers. I know you guys are probably saying who? Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, Roderick Martin. And I think this is a great example of the value of the East-West Shrine game, the value of the Senior Bowl, and how some of those guys that are actually going to these events practicing and playing football and you're being evaluated on football can sometimes pop onto Especially the smaller school guys. When they come and they get to see – because at this point, you've just seen them dominate lower-level competition. So the big thing with those guys is going to those – um, all-star games and playing better competition. And then now if you still dominate or, or, or you're, you stand out during that week, now what the teams do is they go back to the tape and they go back to the evaluation and then they're going to watch that tape throughout the week and now your projection gets better. And that was the case with Broderick Martin, a 330-pound space-eating defensive tackle, nose, one, two technique. But when they saw him, they saw a guy who moved like a 300-pound guy, like a 290-pound guy, not a 330-pound guy. So I think they see huge upside with him. Come in here, get some technique work, strengthen his hands a little bit. He's already got the quick step in the burst. Now they think maybe they can give him – that he can give them, excuse me, some juice in the middle, play on the other side of the line of scrimmage and be a great addition to the middle of that defense with Aline McNeil, Isaiah Bugs, and those other guys. He's got 35-inch arms too. So if you're running right up the middle, you are running into (laughs) a massive human being, which I think is important. But this is just, you know, you saw what the run defense was. We mentioned it with Jack Campbell. I think this is, you know, this was the pick that was on the whiteboard. It's like, we are stopping the run. Yeah. And this is the guy that you're, you're bringing in to, to help do that. But I, I think even bigger in the pass game, he's on the field. I, I think you might be able to see Ali McNeil talked about, cut a little bit of weight, wants to get more athletic, more consistent this 20% year. 20% body fat. Yeah. So could we see, you know, Broderick Martin at nose, Ali McNeil. Play a little three, yeah. pass rush a little bit more. Use that athleticism. See if you can get a little bit more juice out of Aleem in the pass game. This could open the door for that if he doesn't have to just play nose every snap. 100%. They needed to add to that position. In my opinion, that was the biggest need coming into the draft. They needed to get another body to add to that yeah. interior mix. Uh, Broderick Martin is the guy. All right, so let's go to the final day. And and look, the final day of the draft, Peaches, that's when you're looking for traits, yep. right? I mean, Projectable. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, it, if guys were clean prospects, they would have gone first, second, third round. You know, when through fourth or seventh, you're looking at uh, guys you think fit your scheme, um, certain traits that maybe you really love in a football player there might be some deficiencies some things guys need to improve on but that's what you're looking for and so the first pick that they had 152 fifth round they take Corby Colby excuse me Sorsdal um big massive six foot five 300 pound right tackle five-year starter um at William and Mary at, at at right tackle but a guy again like we talked about with Martin 
went to the East-West Shrine game, um, really stood out. Uh, teams wanted to see him at guard, which he moved to, had never played before yeah. in college, and was really good during that week against good competition. So I think that might be in his future. He's got 33-inch arms, a little bit small for a, a tackle. 10-inch hands, which aren't bad, but you'd like to see them a little bit bigger. I think the fact that the Lions have a need for an interior offensive lineman, he was a guy that moved inside at the East-West Shrine game and, and almost looked better at that spot than he did at tackle. I think that could be in his, in his future, but a versatile guy and, and another guy they can just throw to an already, um, you know, area of strength of this football team. You don't really see many offensive linemen with 46 career starts. Right. I mean, this is an experienced player. So at, at the very least, you know, that's just game reps. You're used to, to, to live reps, and he's played ever since he was a true freshman. Uh, first – Offensive lineman at William and Mary to start as a true freshman since 1983. Look at you so making making Look at a little you bit of history. The stats. That's that's wow. That's a this stat is for you. But this is this is a guy. He's got ability to move. Yeah. You're looking at the what they had on the East West Shrine Bowl from from on the broadcast. He was able to move laterally a little bit, get out there in space. If you're running some outside zone, some wide zone, he can get out there and kind of throw some blocks, move some weight around. You know. Lions used a, a six offensive lineman, a jumbo set more than anybody well, that's else. That's a good point, by, too. By the end of the year, you know, Matt guy. Nelson was was very yeah. good at that last year and is still here. But by the end of the year, could could he be out there running a little bit? You saw what Sewell can do moving his weight around in in, in Green Bay. Could that be something so that we fun. see by the end of the year? It's just, you know, an athlete, an experienced athlete that has time to develop, obviously, behind a great offensive line. All right, let's finish this out. Seventh round, pick 219. They moved up 30 spots from 249 to 219 in the swift trade yep. with, with Philly, and they uh, take Antoine Green. Um, here's a guy from um, North Carolina, spent uh, you know five-year guy, and, and you look at every year he got – better yeah. substantially Saw some more time better got more snaps yeah in his last year i mean six foot two uh 200 pounds four four seven forty so sub four five guy at that size and 19.0 uh average yards per catch like that's the number that stood out to me he was their vertical threat and i think look we talked about you're going to miss jameson williams for the first six weeks i think here's a guy that's going to get an opportunity to come into camp um, he makes some plays. Scott size, good 50-50 ball guy, vertical guy. You start to make some plays, and maybe there's an opportunity there with, with Jameson Williams gone for you to fit into this offense in that kind of role of, of moving down the field. Maybe an X guy that they're going to maybe miss here for the first month and a half. Of I was going to say, I think the size is the biggest thing. So you got you got Josh Reynolds, big dude. Marv's a big dude, but then you're looking at the rest. It's like okay, Amon Ra smaller, Khalif Raymond smaller, Tom Kennedy smaller. You got a six-two body out there now that has experience on the outside, and and the nineteen yards per catch is is it's a real number. It's it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. So you're looking downfield that that somebody can can go up there and get it. And when you're you know he said in his media call that he had experience at Gunner and, and played a little bit of teams, which is a seventh round pick. You're gonna have to do if you want to yeah. stick around. So that's just a, an added bonus. But I think really when you're looking at you know. The Lions wide receiver room, even with J-Mo in it, uh, another body at that size, it could be really key. 
So I look at Jameer Gibbs. I look at Jack Campbell. I look at Sam Laporta, Brian Branch. I think these are going to be early impact guys. I think Martin's got a chance to be a rotational guy um, pretty early on. You mentioned that 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 swing tackle rule for um, Sorsdal. I think there's an opportunity there. Green will have a chance. I think you know when the, my takeaway from this draft is I, I think they got their kind of guys, and I I think they got a, a collection of guys that they expect to impact football games pretty early on in their career. Now, look, they're rookies. You can't expect too much from a lot of these guys. But um, w- w- in terms of Gibbs and Campbell especially, and, and I'd even put Laporta in there, I think they're going to have a chance to, to be really impact players early on, starting caliber guys that that end up, you know, w- you know being ha- – or having a, a, a good – allotment of production yeah. and so um I, I overall i like the draft I, I i think it was a good draft by holmes they got their guys and speaking of which we're gonna have um, brad holmes on the podcast yeah. this week he's gonna join me this week we're gonna go over all these picks we're gonna go over just kind of what he thinks of the impact these guys gonna are gonna have and the next steps in the off season so what'd you think of overall the, i uh, think overall? I, I think this is a, a draft a list of a team that's ready to play and a team that's ready to compete right now. And, and yeah, you know, you can harp on the positional value, but when Jameer Gibbs is out there and gets 15 touches early on in the season and you see what he can do with that, that changes a lot of things, especially for a team that, that just fundamentally wants to run the ball down your throat. Yeah. Between the investment in David Montgomery, which was a real monetary investment, and then the 12th overall pick, I don't think they're shying away from that at all. So we've got the rookie mini camp coming up. We'll break down that. We've got the schedule release in a There's couple a lot weeks. Going on. We'll have Dress that. over. We Still already busy. talked. We're going to have Brad Holmes on, um, on uh, for Thursday's podcast release, and so we'll kind of put the 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 draft in a bow there and and move on to some of the things in the offseason so we've got we've got a busy few weeks here on the podcast um peach thanks for joining me thank you guys for joining us and and stick around the next couple weeks there's a there's a lot of content it'll be a lot of fun podcasts